You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. On today's episode of The Real Wealth Show, I'll be interviewing one of our investment counselors at Real Wealth Network. He speaks to thousands of investors. He's been an investment counselor since I believe 2014, so almost seven years now. Again, speaking to thousands of investors, helping them find which market might be best for them, what kind of property, um, helping them come up with a plan. And also, he's going to be sharing how he's been investing. He started as a flipper in Arizona and then ended up buying buy and hold properties through Real Wealth Network. And then we were so happy when he came to us and said he wanted to be a full-time real estate investor, wondered if we had a job opening. We did, because as investment counselors, we want to make sure that they really know what they're talking about, that they have a lot of experience as investors, and Ben certainly did. So today, I'm going to be asking him what he's seeing out there. Uh, He's still talking to hundreds of investors all the time, what he's hearing, what people are wanting to buy, what their experience is, and what his plans are. And specifically, Ben has moved to Florida, uh, and I want to know what it's like to be living there and seeing all the massive growth happening there. And also to let us know if there's any properties available for those wanting to buy, uh, because we know inventory is really low. So Ben, welcome back to The Real Wealth Show. Well, thank you, Kathy. Good to be here. It's been a while. Yeah, but uh, boy, what a year it's been. It was almost exactly a year ago that uh, the the world shut down, our economy Mm -hmm. shut down, and we canceled our live event. We haven't had a live event since then. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but sales of real estate have been robust. It has surprised a lot of us. You are located in Florida. You moved from California to Florida, what, uh, four or five years ago now? Four and a half, 2016, so just about four years, four and a half years. Yeah, and you've kind of been in Florida, specifically Sarasota, mm-hmm. and that area has just taken off. I mean, what's it? What's it like? Does it? Can you? Can you feel the growth when you're living there? Yeah, I mean, Sarasota itself is fairly well built out, um, but yeah, there's like three or four lots and you know huge areas within two miles of my house that were wilderness when I moved here, and you know it's kind of sad. It's like my childhood growing up, I would get all distressed from like my favorite tree would be mowed down to build some house or whatever. And it, it's kind of, it's kind of like that again, you know, like they're, 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 they're building stuff, but then a lot of our new build partners, they're building in other areas that are less developed in Sarasota, like Port Charlotte, Northport, Palm Bay, all these other areas. And um, yeah, it's just, there's a lot of activity going on and it just, it doesn't seem to stop. But at the same time, it's not like, they're overbuilding and going crazy, you know, like like a few years ago when people just went crazy and then suddenly there's a there's an overabundance. I don't get that sense. Like I think they're building smart at a at a pace that that will maintain, but you know, who knows? Well, it seems like the difference is that people aren't buying on spec. They're right. they're buying because they're moving there, they're living there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're leaving s- certain areas, New Jersey and, and New York for sure, to come down to Florida. Right. Um, now, you when you started before you became an investment counselor at Real Wealth, you were mm-hmm. uh, rehabbing homes in Arizona, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. And and then um, and and then the market kind of you know, did what it did in 2009 and, mm-hmm. and you started buying foreclosures and many of those through our network, right? Mm-hmm. Ohio, uh, yep. and, yeah, and I, I, where else? 
I got three in Ohio, one in Pennsylvania, um, and then and that was 2014. And in 2015, I bought two rehabs in Jacksonville through our Jacksonville uh, property team at the time, still is. Um, and then I, so that was my first foray into Florida from 3,000 miles away. And then about a year and a half later, I moved here and then I just started adding to it. And the most recent one is a quad, fourplex, again through our Jacksonville provider. Um, and, you know, that's been great, but it took a long time. And that's the one thing that I would caution anybody. I mean, all of our webinars from all of our new build property teams, and they all say, oh, between eight and 12 months. Well, my Ocala thing took two and a half years. That was unusually long. <laughs> wow. That's unusually long. Yeah, no, it, it's unusual. And I don't, I don't want that to scare anybody off because there was a couple of things that came, came about. They had a contractor switch midstream. Then the city of Ocala came out and said, hey, you can't, no more, no more septic tanks. You've got to connect to the sewer, you know, we, which is good. I'd rather be connected to the sewer. But, you know, there was another eight months of planning and permitting and delays and, and running sewer lines and costs, uh, which weren't passed on to the buyers. But, you know, the, so it did take two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So that's the ugly, if we want to look at it from the good, the bad, and the ugly. But the good is, hey, I locked into a price um, in July of 2018. And that was the price I paid in November of 2020, two and a half years later. So, wow. I mean, I got an instant, I don't know, about $50,000 worth of equity. So patience does pay off in this particular the situation. Yeah. Um, I mean, things have changed so much where uh, it's so difficult to get building supplies. The cost of lumber has gone up almost double yeah. in, in the last few years. Mm -hmm. uh, labor costs, it, it's, uh, I mean, land costs have gone up so much. So when you can actually lock in the price of a new home before it's been built and right. lock that price in, you're probably going to be getting it for much less than it costs to build over time. Yeah. which is what you did and many of our members at Real Wealth did when they locked in these these prices. Right. I think there's like a, a margin of error, right? Like five or 10%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a margin of error. And of course, you know, the, the conservative side of me said, well, it, it worked out for me, but what happens if the market went the other direction and I was locked in and mm -hmm. it went down? You know, there, there's a chance of that being a risk, but I think that the odds are pretty slim on that and especially the direction of what I'm seeing by opening my eyes and looking around and what we're all seeing with our, with our, with our Florida property teams in just, you know, eight months, 12 months, 18 months, and they're not going crazy, but it's hard to get properties. It's hard to get land. You have to move quickly and, and not lollygag around for weeks on end. So I think most likely what I experienced with the appreciation will probably continue but, you know, you just have to have patience. Just when, when you're waiting for a home to be built. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Make a decision quickly and then have patience until it comes to fruition. Well, how much money do you have to put up uh, during that time while you're waiting for the house to be built? Well, it was $5,000 EMD, earnest money deposit. Mm -hmm. And then with our Jacksonville and Ocala property team, the way they do it is you, when they get the, the, the building permits through the city, you then have to put down 10%. You know, if it's a multifamily, you're going to have to put that 25% down. So in my case, being that it was multifamily, I put $5,000 down. About a year later, they got the building permit. So I put 10% minus the 5,000 that I'd already put down. And then 
A year and a half after that, when we were at the closing table at the title company, then I came up with the remaining balance, so roughly about 15%. And does now, that um, deposit stay in uh, escrow? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. As far as I understand, don't quote me on that, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, with some other of our of our builders, some of our other teams, there is not that midterm ten percent. It just mm -hmm. depends on their situation with their lender or what, whatever their deal is. A lot of times, you just put five thousand EMD down when you put something under contract, sign the contract, lock in, and then you don't have to do anything more until the property is built and you're at the closing table at the title company. Then you come up with with the remainder of your 20 or 25%. Yeah. It seems like the strategy is different with a new home versus, you know, the renovating homes, the flipping homes that you were doing before or buying a, mm -hmm. an older home, an existing home that you fix up. It's a, yeah. it's a different, it's a different thing. I mean, one thing you're hoping for is that you're locking in the price now um, right. and it'll be more, it'll be worth more by the time you close. So there's a little bit of an appreciation play there. Mm -hmm. uh, what about, other costs. I, I believe it's cheaper to insure. Is that right? If they're brand oh, new, a lot cheaper to insure. I mean, my insurance is just is minuscule compared to like a, a rehab fixer that I have in St. Petersburg, for example. That's you know 50, 60 years old, and I mean it's it's all up to code. Everything in terms of fire protection, you know, everything you can think of windows and you know in florida of course the hurricane thing and the toenails that are nailed into the to the corner of the buildings and the straps and all this other stuff so the insurance is really low and it's not difficult like <laughs> some of some of my older stuff i have in florida it, it's like a a little drama whenever you deal with these different insurance brokers and what insurer will insure it and which ones require all these different inspections and they'll send out some inspector to your home to point out all the things they don't like. And it's like, Oh my God, but with new builds, it's much easier. Yeah. And, cheaper. and how quickly did they rent? I mean, a fourplex in an area that where there's a lot of other fourplexes on the market. Um, did you, did, was it difficult to lease out? Did you have a lot of competition or how? Uh, well, I don't know about the competition, but it turned out to be a very nice story. I mean, literally, once I just became very Zen-like and decided, this is taking a long time. I'm not going to allow the latest ripple to, to annoy me. I'm just going to go with the flow. Um, but once I signed the deal, and I mean, I signed the deal two and a half years earlier, but once I was at the closing table doing everything, um, the house was actually ready a couple weeks prior to me taking ownership. And Suncoast, the property management, they actually had two tenants placed like a week or two prior to me closing. And then after I closed, within two weeks, the other two units of the four units were placed. So and so it wasn't difficult at all. They they placed all four units within two weeks of me closing. And you know, four months later, they're all still there. And I'm, I'm getting a, a decent income every month and um, decent cash flow. Couldn't be happier. I mean, I almost, you know, wish I'd bought more than one, but. I know. I was just listening to you thinking I wish I'd bought just one. Right. But uh, at the time, I know yeah. they sold out very quickly. Um, are there any, any of the builders that we work with, are any of them providing fourplexes today? The only one that's providing fourplex now is the same one, is, is Jackson okay. Best. And I honestly, in the spirit of full transparency, I don't know if he has any now. 
but because they take bigger lots, there's there's more hoops to jump through from a permitting process. There's not as many of them, uh, but you know he has fourplexes in both Jacksonville and like the one I bought in Ocala, which is a couple hours south and west. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our other new build property teams are all single families, with the exception of Houston, occasionally has duplexes. They go very quickly. Um, and I know I've heard rumor and innuendo that there are other fourplexes coming down down the pipe from somebody. Um, there's so much in demand; people really want them. I mean, I liked it because I don't want to bump up against my ten Fannie loans, and right. so this way I can get four tenants and only use one loan. Right. So I, I like that. And for those of you who are new to that idea, uh, the conventional loans that we can get when we just go to a regular lender uh, backed by Fannie or Freddie, you can get up to 10 mortgage loans. So you could have your primary residence and then nine other investment properties or rent your primary and (laughs) get 10 investment properties on with these incredible interest rates. So when you closed, were you able to lock in some of today's ridiculously low rates? Yes. Uh, uh, I mean, it was when it was November. So they were a little higher then. They've gone down since. And now they've ticked back up a little bit. But yeah, it's, it's very low. I mean, it's in the, in the low threes. So, so that's good. So it seems like the big news today in real estate is opposite of what we thought it would be a year ago. I think a year ago, we thought that the market was going to be flooded with foreclosures when businesses were shut down and people couldn't work. Uh, You know, we were all thinking, oh my gosh, this is, we're going to go see another 2008, 2009 again. And here we are a year later and it is absolutely not the case. It's the opposite. There's hardly any inventory. I've got slides showing in my recent uh, 2020, uh, 2021 forecast of inventory just tanking like this, like to the lowest ever. And maybe now it is starting to creep up a little bit as rates go up a tiny bit, inventory is going up a tiny bit, but it's still the problem for both homeowners and investors looking for rental properties. So today, when you're talking to new members at Real Wealth, where are you directing them to, to, to find, you know, inventory, which teams have it? Right. Well, that's, that's the big question. And you're, you're absolutely right. Is that, 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 I mean, I, I, I'm connected a lot with the state of Arizona and there's this great report there called the Cromford report. And, and he has these three little dials. He puts out a, they, I should say, put out a report. And one dial is, is just the, the housing index. One is supply and one is demand and supply is just so far low. It's off the charts. Um, and demand is so far high. It's practically off the charts. It's like at 95% of his, his little wheel. He might have to revise the range on that wheel. And so that's a microcosm. I think of what's, pretty much going on almost everywhere. What I do when I speak to, to our members is, is I first tried out, a lot of people are overwhelmed with, oh my God, 20 different teams. Uh, how do, where do I go? So, so I try to help them by going, well, there's two questions to ask yourself. First of all, are you stuck on new construction or are you okay with rehab of existing? Um, and they have two different sets of what people like and what, what don't like. I happen to even though I have this new quad, my preference overall is, is for rehab. I just I find it more interesting. I like it. But a lot of people really prefer new construction. So we have that conversation, go over the pros and cons, and that helps them narrow it down to one camp or the other. And then the second question that I always ask is, do you like a appreciating market? Or are you okay with a more what I call a linear market, 
like the upper Midwest or, or Birmingham, Alabama, that just kind of stays along. It's a little bit more steady, less likely to have the ups and downs. And once an investor answers those two questions, new versus rehab, linear market versus growth market, that helps them kind of narrow it down from 20 markets down to a more manageable three or four markets. And then we then focus on the three or four, and then we talk about inventory. And right off the bat, I just, I don't even talk about some of our markets that just don't have inventory at all. I mean, if yeah. if you're going to be competing for the three homes that week that, that property team X has with a hundred other people, I'm not even going to bring it up because it's just going to frustrate that member. Yeah. You know? But there's plenty yeah, of other things to, to pick from. I mean, if you're willing to wait 12 to 18 months, I mean, we've got two teams in Charlotte, North Carolina. We've got Atlanta, Georgia. And right now, Atlanta is actually shorter than that. They're one of the, the few teams that have, have stuff that's shorter. Houston actually is shorter than that right now, although that, that may have changed since I last checked. Um, but everybody in Florida is 12 to 18 months. Um, you, just, you just have to be patient and zen-like uh, if you're going for a new construction. And if they want rehab, then we've, you know, we've got a handful of markets. They don't have tons of houses sitting on a back lot that you get to pick from, but it's going to be quicker than 12 to 18 months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that one of our teams, I mean, one of the benefits of being a network like, like we are is that we've worked with some of these teams for almost 10 years and they're very loyal to us. So one of those teams is in the Orlando uh, Palm Palm Bay area now? Sorry. Well, yeah, Orlando and they're doing Ocala and Palm Bay out to the east, um, the, the Space Coast. And they, uh, they, they set aside some new builds for us. We did a webinar last week. They're nearly sold out. But I think if people are interested, you'd want to uh, log into our website right away at realwellshow.com, click on the Invest tab, and, um, and look for, would it be Orlando? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I always just tell people, you know, go to the website, go to the single family homes on the upper left, select Orlando. Uh, we call it Orlando, but it's, you know, we have to come up with a geographic area that, that's somewhat, but it's not always completely accurate because they're expanding out from Orlando. Um, Palm Bay is the latest development that they're working with. They're building these townhomes. They've reserved a bunch of them for us in the 40s. Um, a lot of them have sold, but there's still a few few left. So just Go to single family properties, Orlando, select that property team. It'll take you to that page. There will be the webinar. Um, and then um, all the details are there and, and they look pretty attractive. Wonderful. Okay. Well, that's, that is really exciting. We, as you know, we've been in the home building business. We've been syndicating and buying land and working with builders and, and bringing on new product as well. And our, our subdivisions are delayed as well. I mean, in Reno and Bozeman and, and Florida, they're years behind. Right. So when that's part of the problem with so much demand, you know, we've got these low interest rates, we've got people moving from high price cities, going into more affordable markets where a two or three or $400,000 home is like nothing for them with today's interest rates is cheaper than what they've been paying in rent in their high price city. So demand is incredible. Or if they're moving and they're not ready to buy and they're going to rent from one of our members who buys a house, it's still so much cheaper than what they're used to. Right. Um, so demand is just off the charts. Uh, not to mention demographics. You've still got, you know, lots and lots of baby boomers, not baby boomers. <laughs> yeah, but actually baby boomers are moving to Florida too. too. Yeah. Uh, but a, a lot of millennials 
are are able now to work anywhere. And the demand is just through the roof. But we know as builders, it takes so long and it takes especially long just to even get appliances these days. You're on a wait list. So uh, it's, it is an exciting time to, if you've you already owned property, you know, good for you. It's not too late to get into it. There are still a lot of opportunities available. You just have to be more, like you said, more patient mm-hmm. and you have to be quick. You have to be patient, like you said, but quick when the opportunity comes, right? Right. Because if a property becomes available, you can't sit around and hem and haw for very long. So what are your tips for people who have to be patient, but then also move really quickly when they need to? Yeah, well, what I tell people is after we go through that exercise, which I I won't belabor again today, and they've kind of narrowed it down to three or four markets to really focus on, go on our website, go to those four markets, watch the webinars, because the webinars will cover about 80% of the questions that they'll have when they want to speak to or email with the actual provider directly. So watch the webinars, then contact the provider and just just have a dialogue and then just analyze, you know, A, B, C, D, and just have a real good idea of what you want to do. And then once you've done that, then assuming it's new construction, contact them and put your earnest money deposit down on something. You're, you're You're not in a rush because you've done your analysis ahead of time. Now, if it's a rehab, same thing, decide the market and then get pre-approved with the lender so you have all those ducks lined up and then you're ready to go. You know, so you don't have to make a spontaneous decision. It's just you can't lollygag around for months on end and overanalyze. A lot of people, including myself to a certain degree, overanalyze. Analysis paralysis. They're afraid to make a decision because there's too many decisions to make and so they don't do anything. And meanwhile, prices keep ticking up. Um, and I mean... I think the big difference between now and 2008 is what a lot of us were doing were being silly and speculatively buying stuff because oh, it doesn't matter that I have to subsidize it because I'll just sell it in a year for 50K more. Well, no, <laughs> as we now know. So at least all the properties that you can get through Real Wealth Network will cash flow starting tomorrow or whenever you close it based on today's rent rates. So on a 30 year fixed. You, you could barely cash flow on an interest only back in 2008. Right, exactly, exactly. 30-year fixed, they will cash flow. So you're not making a rash or silly decision based on speculation. You're making a good structurally sound and financially sound decision based on the numbers right in front of you on the performance and you're locking into those prices. If it takes a year, 18 months, most likely the prices will be higher and the rents will be higher. But if they aren't, that's okay because they cash flow today. So you, you know, you're, not, you're not being speculative. You're not making a rash decision. But yeah, you do have to kind of make your decision and then get ready to go when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, and I, I often tell people, okay, yeah, like you said, uh, first and foremost, decide what it is you're trying to achieve. Are you trying to get cash flow? Are you trying to get appreciation? Are you trying to get both? Uh, and then do you want older homes? Do you want newer homes? one unit, four units, do you want a multifamily? Uh, You know, starting with one unit is a good place for sure to start. But then Mm -hmm. once you have identified that, speak with a lender, get pre-approved. That is the process that takes so long. And if you're going to get, try to get in contract on any property, they're going to want to see that Mm pre-approval letter. Definitely do that. Then you get to see how much you qualify for. Mm -hmm. And then what I tell people is there, you know, just 
if you like what you see and you look at the pro forma, tie it up, you know, sign the contract with an out, the out being it's dependent on what comes through in the inspection report or the appraisal report. If that contingency is there, you have the time between you signed the contract and, uh, and getting the inspection and, uh, appraisal reports. Exactly. And you have time to review those. Usually it's, uh, it depends on the seller, but often 10 days to do that. Mm-hmm. So tie up the property, get in contract and then do your d- due diligence. Cause you can't really possibly do it before you get in contract. Sometimes you can, mm-hmm. but usually not. It's the, the inspection report and the appraisal report that you're going to be waiting for. Mm-hmm. That gives you time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, that's my, uh, suggestion for people who are just really scared to jump in. Right. You're not bound contract until the contingencies are removed. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, a lot of times I'll get the question, well, hey, if it's a new build, do I still need to get an inspection? Do I still need to get an appraisal? Well, you're going to get an appraisal automatically, most likely, if you're, if you're financing. financing. Yep. Will. If, you, if you're paying all cash, which I don't know, maybe 5% of our members do, maybe 10, then go ahead and get your own appraisal. It's worth the effort just for peace of mind. And But the answer to the inspection question is, yes, still get an inspection every time. I mean, I got an inspection on my quad, and there wasn't really much wrong with it, but there was enough to where I'm like, yeah, they detected moisture on the wall in unit number three, just a little tiny bit. Could you, could you please check that out? And, you know, they, they just did all those things, paid for the inspection, but that's one less thing that will come to light in 18 months. Now I'm on the hook for it. So absolutely, yeah, get inspection. absolutely get the inspection and negotiate to see who's going to fix it. And with a new home, they'll, they fix it. <laughs> they fix it. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Cool. That's really good. Okay. So when last time you were on the show, Ben, this will be my last question. Uh, you had a goal. I think it was 15 properties in your mm-hmm. own portfolio. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems that you have achieved that. I have, I've surpassed it. I'm surpassed actually at 18 it. now. Um, and I kind of, unofficially moved that 15 to 20, but I'm stopping there. Like, I don't want to go any, I don't want to have any more than that because I just, I just don't. But, uh, that's one of the things that having multifamily helps because it's, I mean, that one counts as four. I really, it's not so much properties, it's doors. So I have a goal of of 15 doors now, 20 doors, and I'm, I'm up to 18. So. Wonderful. Congratulations on that. How did you do the financing once you got past Uh, the 10? Uh, well, a lot of them are, I, Two of them were really inexpensive houses in Pennsylvania, so they never had loans. And about four of them are within an IRA, so they don't all count against my Fannie, Freddie conventional loan thing. So I, I still have two more slots. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I, I, I've not ever had to do non-conventional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. Uh, I remember John Schaub, Schwab, he's a, he wrote... Uh, build wealth one house at a time, I believe it was. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Love him. And and his whole theory was to buy a house every year. And I always thought, well, how do you know if you're timing it right? But it's kind of the same idea as the stock market. You, you don't. And I remember when you signed up for the, you know, buying the quads, they weren't cheap. You know, it's a fourplex. It's more expensive than other things. And that was a time when we didn't really know where the market was headed. I mean, you never know, right? But we had had a long stretch of prices going up. And I remember thinking, that's pretty bold of you to get into a new property that's pretty high priced that you don't know if prices are going to be lower in the future, but you did it anyway. Right. And, and, and so, you know, does, does that factor in sometimes where you wonder if you're timing it wrong or do you just believe that over time it's going to work out? 
I believe that over time it's going to work out. Just like you use the stock analogy, it's like dollar cost averaging. You know, you, you buy a hundred dollars worth of Netflix stock every month, you're going to get more when Netflix stock is cheaper and less when it's more expensive. Overall, it'll even out over time. And you look at those long-term charts. You know, the prices of, of homes. Yeah, they go down occasionally, but overall, over the twenty-year period, they go up. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, I, I have to practice what I preach, I and mean, I can't tell people. Don't overanalyze and then turn around and overanalyze myself. <laughs> it's like my credibility starts circling the drain at that point. So, um, yeah, I just I, I just figured it would go up over time. And, and if it didn't, I mean, the key for me, I don't want to repeat myself, but I guess I'm about to, is that just look at each individual investment. And if it will cash flow, looked at in isolation, standing on its own, if it will cash flow, then I think you're in a pretty conservative, safe position. Mm-hmm. Where many people, including myself, got into trouble in like 2005 and six, is by not doing that and just counting on appreciation to justify the purchase. Like yeah. in these situations, we don't have to keep, we, we want appreciation, but if it doesn't happen, it's not going to be the end of the world because every month the thing is making more money than it's costing the investor. So that's the key. Just look at the, look at the investment in isolation and make the decision based on that. And one last question, even though I said that last one was the last one, but this will be the last one. You talked to so many of our members. You've been an investment counselor at Real Wealth for eight, I don't know, a long time, seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you talked to so many hundreds of investors. What's the situation with the eviction moratorium? Are any of them affected by that? Very few are affected. I mean, I, every once in a while, I'll talk to somebody that, that, you know, uh, one person in, uh, where was it, um, Cleveland the other day, one person in Birmingham about two weeks ago, that, that out of their portfolio of homes, they do have one tenant that's unable to pay, but it's very much the exception rather than the rule. So most of our team's property managers are on top of it, know the rules of their state. Um, you know, at first it was like, hey, you, you, you've got COVID, you don't have to pay. Well, now it, you have to jump through certain hoops. You have to prove that your job has been lost due to a particular reason. You, you, you know, so as long as the property manager is on top of the rules of their particular state and city and, and they're enforcing those, then most of the investors are in pretty good shape, I've found. Um, you know, it just seems, though, that the government is kicking the proverbial can down the road. And if we keep extending the moratorium on evictions, you know, the position where, like you were mentioning at the beginning of this, this podcast, like we didn't know where we were going to be. It's like, well, eventually there's this pent up demand. It's, It's going to eventually be unleashed. So it just seems to me that we can't keep kicking the can down the road. And that that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, at least for real wealth, we are invested in areas that are more business friendly right. and, uh, you know, didn't shut down as hard or as long. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, right. it's in, in many of those areas an eviction is a really bad thing to have on your, on your record and right. it makes it more difficult to rent the next place. And people don't mm-hmm. want that. Don't so want that. for the most part, you know, we've seen tenants pay because they don't want to be stuck with a huge bill or homeless later, of course. Right. And and most of the members that I talk to are very understanding. It's not like a pure capitalistic play. We want to be sympathetic to people if they're in genuine situations. And, and most people are, are sympathetic. And, and if they have to 
uh, to give a little or whatever, they'll happily do that, but it just can't be taken advantage of. And that's what we count on the property manager to make sure is that the tenant X, Y, or Z isn't taking advantage of the situation because most of us landlords or property owners, we have a mortgage to pay. I mean, it's not like we just were fat cats with all this property. We, we have bills too. Yeah. In fact, most of the rent goes towards the bills. The cash flow is just a tiny bit. A tiny bit. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So uh, fascinating. All right. Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on The Real Wealth Show again. And thank you for all the support you give to our members. Absolutely. Thank you, Kathy. We'll talk again soon. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. Again, you can go to realwealthshow.com, click on the Invest tab, and you'll see single family homes. And you'll get a whole drop down of different areas in the country where we have teams who specialize in finding properties for investors buy and hold, whether they're new or renovated, and they have experienced property management in place to make for a quote unquote turnkey investment. Okay, you can find out more about that at realwellshow.com. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.